0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to season four, episode seven of Fafaf and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Foley Rye, back at it again. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Presented by Anchor Podcasts. Now available on YouTube and every Tuesday afternoon on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio Network. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening, and leave a review to help others find the show. A quick reminder where you can find the show on social media, on Twitter, at Tapouts and TVs, on Facebook, search for Tapouts and Touchdowns at Facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns, and the email to the show, tapouts and touchdowns at gmail.com. The YouTube channel doesn't have a unique URL as of yet, so make sure you search tap off and tap out the questions on YouTube. Like and subscribe to help others find the show. And once we get to 100 subscribers, we'll be able to share that unique URL website uh, with all of you. I uh, should, should use a disclaimer that we haven't had a YouTube show in a few weeks. Uh, as WrestleMania comes closer, we will have uh, some, some more YouTube shows to put on our channel. Uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in Tap Out Through Touchdown's wrestling show co-host, P.J. Steven, for this special episode. DJ, how you doing tonight, bud? Tell me you didn't just say that.
1: Oh, I have been waiting to say that. I am doing fantastic. We are covering something that I've been talking about doing for a long time. It was recommended to us to do this particular uh, uh, wrestler. However, we've been talking about doing this idea for a long time. Just picking a wrestler, going through a year or two of that particular superstar worker wrestler, and um, talking about the highlights, and we are giving you one of the best, one of the top
0: tiers, if you will, in our business today. Yeah, the the two-time two-time WWE Hall of Famer and the five-time 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 five-time, five-time, five-time WCW, WCW champion, World Heavyweight Champion, the first. Tap out and touchdowns, deep dive. Uh, and yes, if you couldn't figure it out by now, we are going to do a deep dive on Booker T on this week's show. Uh, oh, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. We're doing Booker T? Man, I took notes on Stevie Ray. Motherfucker. Oh, man. Yeah, well, you're going to be in see trouble. See you guys next week.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, But I digress. Uh, PJ, uh, let, me, let me outline the show for everybody. Uh, the opening bell this week, we're going to kind of go through why we decided Booker T was going to be our first deep dive on the show and break it down. We're going to go through uh, this specific time frame and time period in which we decided to go through Booker T's career. And in the main event, we're going to break down a couple of his key matches during this run. Uh, so without further ado, PJ, I mentioned to you off air, this is sort of your baby. Um, I'm going to let you leave the conversation, but before we get into the opening bell, like I guess I should say as we get into the opening bell of the show, uh, when you go back and you remember when you first started watching wrestling or when you first saw Booker T, what did you first think when you saw Booker T, probably with with his brother Stevie Ray? Uh, but what were your first impressions of Booker T when you first saw him as a kid? Um, my first – I
1: can remember first seeing Harlem Heat, and it was actually on WCW NWO Revenge is where I first saw Harlem Heat. For some reason, I must have missed him on TV it's one of those things that maybe he just blocked. I did, you know, I was young, obviously. Um, so one of those things where I just kind of must have missed him, or just was switching back and forth. Uh, you know, those were the days of the previous channel button was your best friend if you were a wrestling fan. And um, no, the one thing that brought me to them is their badass outfits, the fiery, um, the fiery uh, 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 attire that they would wear was really really cool and i love i've always been a sucker for the dynamic of the tag team that like one guy was kind of a technical um uh the technical guy the um the the straight man and then you have the big monster which is stevie ray and i compare it now to like um the way montez ford and angelo dawkins the street profits Street Profits. I, I kept wanting to say private party, and obviously that is incorrect. That's, yeah. uh, Angelo Dawkins, I hate that I, I, missed, his, I missed him because he's just as talented as Montez Ford. We've talked about that. But um, no, and then I started seeing – I didn't really get – I didn't really know how big of a deal Booker T was until towards the end of this WCW's run when he's getting a main event, world heavyweight title push. Um, and then I remember I became a big fan of him when – during the invasion angle in 2001 he comes out and he debuts and a <laughs> king of the ring i believe against jericho Benoit and stone cold triple threat match for the uh, w- uh, for the wwf title booker t debuts puts stone cold through a table and actually breaks his hand what a way to debut um and then we get a, we get you know austin and booker t in the supermarket that that famous vignette promo um And yeah, that's when I became a big fan of Booker T with him and Shamed Up Man. That was a great dynamic. Um, And, you know, a lot of people can argue that he's a fantastic singles wrestler. He's a great tag team wrestler. One of of my favorite tag teams, one of my favorite tag teams ever is him and Goldust. I thought that was so fun. And they put on great shows. And damn, what what just a talented performer. if you're not a fan of Booker T, I don't know what you're missing because, man, he's just just a tremendous athlete, and he's a hell, hell of a wrestling talent. And he hadn't cut his tear since he debuted in WWF, so I can, I, can, I can identify with that.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, you, you mentioned there's, a, there's some people that don't remember him as a tag team wrestler. He is a double-digit tag team champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a two-time Hall of Famer because once he's in by himself and the other with his brother – uh, Stevie Ray of the Harlem Heat. Uh, I'll let you know, my first time I ever saw Booker T and Stevie Ray, they were with Sister Sherry in there. You mentioned their blue, like long pants, but with the singlet that kind of comes to, weird, to a weird front. Um, they were wrestling on WCW Saturday night against Buckhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater, uh, managed by, and I, I, of course, I'm not going to remember, names, Colonel Robert Parker. Yeah, was was their manager, and there was an angle where Colonel Parker and uh, Sister Sherry would would become romantically involved, and uh, it was just this, this big old thing. Uh, but my first impression seeing Booker T on WCW TV was uh, well, I, I say Booker T it was the Harlem Heat. Uh, was God, these guys are obnoxious. Like they all they do is run their mouth. I mean, I was a little kid, I'm a little white kid too, because uh, let's be honest, like it's, <laughs> you were uh, white. I know it's many people, if you're not, if you've never seen a YouTube show or you're, you're just been listening on podcasts, you've never seen me on uh, on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, you, you've never seen my face. I am a white man. Um, you know, so, I, I you know, you talk about being white and you talk about, you know, your, your
1: bully ride. You're looking like Bubba Ray Dudley sitting there with your fucking camo shirt and like yeah. your white boy self.
0: Well, nevertheless, uh, it just wasn't at the time. It didn't really it didn't appeal to me and didn't cater to me and it wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Uh, so it, when I first saw it, I found it obnoxious. I was like, God, these guys are, are just, they're not good. Like whatever. Like, again, I'm a kid, like they're, they're heels. So that's what you're supposed to view as heels. Um, and then over time that kind of grew on me, especially as, as Booker T would break away as a singles competitor. I'm like, God, like he is cool and I will never be that cool. And just from him, like doing the raise the roof thing and everybody in the crowds were like lifting their hands up and raising the roof. And I'm like, I don't care like how much street cred I can ever get. I will never be as cool as Booker T. Just coming out to his entrance and putting his hands in the air, the fire coming out. Uh, he was just to me, he was he was the first like cool wrestler that I would eventually like. Oh, oh my god, this guy's cool. And so obviously we're gonna get into it with uh with the next segment and break it down. But when he finally get his singles push, you're like, okay, why are they breaking up Harlem Heat again? I'm a kid. I don't understand it. Um, but he gets hot with the crowd. I mean, there's a couple guys in that um, we'll call it the the Attitude Era. Uh, although they were they were in WCW, uh, they got organically over with the crowd. Uh, being Diamond Dallas Page, uh, Sting, and, and and Booker T uh, were three of the hottest names WCW wise. Not talking NWO WCW wise. Um, these were three of the hottest guys in the industry for WCW at the time. So. Uh, Yeah. And then obviously you mentioned a lot of his stuff that he, you know, he was the first WCW wrestler to invade. Uh, You know, he had the first famously the first WCW match on Monday Night Raw where he and Buff Bagwell stunk up the joint. Um, (laughs) Cost cost Buff Bagwell his job. Booker T was feeling really down about himself. Uh, Obviously, he would redeem himself. So
1: uh, let me ask you, let me me ask this. How many times did you try and can you do a -a spin-a-rooney?
0: Oh man, I used to do a Spinner Rooney all the time. So I was so I wrestled in high school, and before before practices and stuff like that, um, I had a few really good friends. Shout out to uh, my best friend who just had a birthday this past week, Aaron Thompson, uh, his brother Bobby, our friend uh, Chad Smith. Shout out to all you guys if you ever listen to my show. Um, but we would do like backyard wrestling in the wrestling room in the hallways of the high school. I remember me and me and Aaron. Uh, I say me and Aaron. Aaron and I were were Play fighting, you know, backyard wrestling in the hallway. I had him by the head, behind the head, and I we legitimately had people in the hallway thinking that we were fighting, going down the hallway, threw him in the wrestling room. We would try hurricane rounds and stuff like that. But yeah, I would get on the wrestling, I would get on the wrestling mat, and do the whole little thing, do the little spinarooni and get up and stuff like that. Um, I used to be really good at it. I say really good for an uncoordinated, uncool white dude. I was really good at it. Um, Who do you think's better at the spin-a-rooney, you or Vince McMahon?
1: We should be honest oh, with you. 100% Think about it. 100% oh, okay. me. 100% okay. me.
0: I'll trust now, you. Now, I would love to know who would win a Spinner Rudy contest between me and The Undertaker, but they never got The Undertaker to break character and do it.
1: We never never did. What a so, great segment that was. Yeah, and that was. you know, and that leads me to what a great segment this is about to be, because we're about to have so much fun talking about not only like one of our favorites, but I think one of the best to do it, man. And one yes. of the best to really, one of the rest to really break barriers, you know, like Black History Month being this month, February, like that's what a lot of this month is about, like these African-American folks that have been able to break barriers and really become something of themselves, even when society sometimes won't let them. And Booker T is a prime example of that, uh, not only doing jail and prison time, uh, redeeming himself, as you mentioned, to be one of the greatest wrestlers in the world uh, and to train some of the, you know. Uh, the future greatest wrestlers in the world and just be a stand up dude, man. So, um, yeah, props to Booker T for that. And I'm honored to really talk about him on this show.
0: Yeah. Booker T being a former king of the ring, PJ, you were the king of the segues tonight. Uh, we are going to take a short break and get, uh, when we come back, we're going to get right into the break it down where we're going to break down Booker T's career in the late 1990s. So stay tuned. We'll be right back right here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns.
1: The Sarcasm Remains podcast with Fuzzy B. Charleston's
0: favorite podcast should be yours too. Go to www.thesarcasmremains.com for more info. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, the first ever Tap Out and Touchdowns Deep Dive of a professional wrestler. And if you skip past the opening bell, we are doing it on the great two-time Hall of Famer, Booker team. Uh PJ, I mentioned at the top of the show, this was sort of uh, your baby. This is something that was pitched to you. You pitched it to me, I thought it was a great idea. Um, we, we wanted to start off with Booker Team. You know, we talked about doing this for a few weeks. Uh, we've kind of teased the audience for a while on doing the show, so I'm gonna let you lead the conversation um, and just you know bring me in whenever whenever it's good for you. Uh, but with that being said, take it away. Let's get into breaking down breaking down Booker Team's career from 1997 to 1998. And Wonderful,
1: man. Yeah, this was an idea that I had. I will touch a little bit on this. This idea that I had because we were doing the classic pay-per-views and then we were doing the current stuff. But I'm like, man, there's so much more wrestling that we could talk about. Uh, Excuse me. And there's a lot of uh, pro wrestlers that we just won't get a chance to talk about. So... I actually think it was somebody who recommended Booker T to us to do, um, but we tweaked it a little bit, and we wanted to do the later years because we love that singles push. But it was my idea that we had talked about, like, hey, guys, like we're going to be doing a deep dive of a wrestler, um, throw some ideas at it. So we got a few, but Booker T seemed crazy appropriate and a great first start. So let's jump right into it man. We're going to get right – I
0: said meow for
1: some reason. <laughs> um,
0: jump right into it meow. Hey, so, hey you, you you stop that talking right meow. Right, look, right meow. Do I look like a cat to you boy? <laughs> you know that you know that was you know that was Jim Gaffigan in the car? Like Absolutely, yeah.
1: That's so funny. Are you There's saying, so
0: many are you saying meow. Are you saying meow? You know, do I am I drinking milk from a saucer? For those of you who don't Dude. know what I'm talking about. Super troopers, one of the great uh, you know, I don't know what you call it uh comedy it's a comedy movie it's a you know comedy but i'm trying to think like a cult a cult-like following oh, cult movie classic yeah yeah yeah, yeah it is I, I agree with that yeah but no for those shenanigans these, yeah shenanigans i swear to god i'll pistol it the next guy uses shenanigans we can, oh, we spend, can do a whole we can, can do a whole podcast yeah super we can do a whole podcast just quoting super troopers uh so again if you've been living under a rock and you've never seen it uh go uh go smoke you and uh and watch some uh some super trippers because it's are you don't don't promote high quality
1: actually yeah do it yeah do it if
0: it's if listen if it's legal in your state or legal where you are i'm all for you uh you know partaking in I, i'd be i, I it would mean it would be more if it was illegal oh okay well, <laughs> there all go. right so sorry let's <laughs> get let's <laughs> do it here. yeah let's not let's not so, veer too far from the path here it's my fault it's my no, fault. it's my so, fault i'm the one that i'm the one that bought
1: into it so, we're good. <laughs> so um... Cool. So, fall of '97, uh, Harlem Heat are still together here. They're feuding with uh, top tier talent here in WCW in the late '90s. They're feuding with Public Enemy, the Signers, and of course the NWO. Uh, fall of '97 is actually when they acquire Jacqueline, or as they called her, WCW Miss Jackie, who would go on obviously to be Jacqueline, former women's champion, Hall of Famer in WWF. Uh, Stevie Ray actually leaves injury for, uh, due to injury for six months. When we get to December of '97. Is when Booker T actually gets his first uh, singles push. There, he defeats Disco Inferno on Nitro for the TV title. Um, I want to pu- I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the next person I'm going to talk about. Rick Martell makes his debut in January in WCW. What's your thoughts on Rick Martell?
0: I kind of prefer Disco Inferno, if we're being honest. I uh, I mean I, I listen. I think Rick Martell is a talented wrestler. He had the gimmick in WWE where he was the model. Uh, obviously, again, if, if you are not familiar, familiar with the story, uh, he would have a small mid card push here with the TV title and Booker T. He would become injured, and I never saw him again. So, yeah, I never had much to say about Rick Martel. I don't like, dislike the guy, but you, should, you know, it's it's not it's not like he's you know what John Cena is to you. I just kind of, I just kind of feel, in, <laughs> kind of feel yeah. indifferent when it comes to Rick Martel.
1: You know, uh, you know, I've I've always been a fan of Rick Martel. I, I think thought he had the look and just maybe one of those guys that just couldn't get out of his own way. But he debuts in January, uh, and actually he goes over on Booker T February 16th, uh, which was just a couple of days ago, right? Oh, well, about a week ago now. Uh, but uh, loses it, uh, loses the Booker T loses the TV title to Rick Martel February 16th. Fast forward to February. Um, V- Fest forward to later on that year in February, rather, and later on that month, Super Bowl 8. Booker T is actually going to defeat uh, Rick Martel after an injury. Now, this is a gauntlet match where it's going to be uh, Rick Martel and Booker T, winner becomes a TV title, and then they go on to face Saturn, Perry Saturn, uh, for the TV title. Supposedly, Rick Martel was supposed to defeat Booker T and go on to um, to defeat Perry Saturn. Rick Martel got injured during the match, so Booker T and Saturn actually had to uh, improv that entire match, uh, which was really fun. This is one of the matches that we're actually going to be going back and talking about. But I want to get your opinion just real quick. To me, it really didn't look like they were improvising. It looked like it was it was a it was a good match. There was there were parts where you could tell they were a bit lost, but um, for for what they had to overcome, I thought
0: it was a really solid match. So when you told me off the air that they had to improv that match, I was shocked because that match, I mean, Booker T, in my opinion, yes, he was a former TV champion before this match. Like he won his first singles title in WCW in late 97. Um, On this night at this pay-per-view, Booker T to me became a star. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, granted, like, like you mentioned martel gets injured and that's this is the last we see of rick martel on wcw television um you know the match with saturn again we'll, we'll go we'll get into it in the main event uh his, his following match with saturn just show the endurance of booker t and to show that like this guy this guy can go he can do like they called him six was it was 60 minute matinees like it wasn't it wasn't called the iron man match back then well i mean yeah. i guess by then it was but you know, it, the 60-man Broadways, I think, is what they, what they refer to it as. So this, that specific pay-per-view to me kind of showed Booker T as the guy who can, if you need him to, go an hour and put a quality match, quality uh, action for the entire hour. So, yeah, like I said, it genuinely surprised when I learned that that match had to be improv because I had no idea Rick Martel was supposed to go over Booker T again in, yeah. that, in that show.
1: Let me ask you this. How do you think it would have affected Booker T's push in the long run if Rick Martel would have went over him for the TV title? Oh,
0: that's a really good question. You know, um, knowing who the Bookers were back then, there's a possibility. But at the same time, he was already getting hot with the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Harlem Heat were, had, especially with the NWO as the main antagonist in WCW, the Harlem Heat were a pseudo babyface tag team at the time. So split Booker T up from Stevie Ray. He's going to carry on that babyface persona. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. And then sort of a really good what if to talk about. Uh, I don't think, yeah, my
1: opinion, I don't think it would very much so. I think that maybe that was going to be a chance for them to say, all right, Booker, You've had your front of the TV tie. We want to move you to the United States title. We're going to move you to, you know, one of those things, man. Like maybe this is just a way, but because it just worked out that way. And then we get what comes next in spring of 98, which is the big feud that I think everybody knows him for in WCW, in my opinion, is his feud with Chris Benoit. Now, I want to touch a little bit on – actually, I want to circle back real quick and talk about Perry Saturn, another wrestler who I think does not get the credit that he deserves, man. Harry Saturn is an incredible worker, and he always, he always really was. Uh, as I fumbled my camera here, he always really was. I loved him in ECW as the Eliminators with uh, Kronos. Um, I hated what WWF did to him with the whole moppy thing. And he, you know, I hated that. You understand uh, why he got stuck with that stupid gimmick though, right? I, I
0: understand I understand. he did it to himself. I'm not debating that. So it, just just so the audience knows, there was a match where he was wrestling a jobber on like a shotgun Saturday night or some sort of like a, what would be considered a WWE superstar show uh, yeah. today. And the guy that he was, the, the guy who was working uh, was working stiff, um, almost seriously injured Saturn. And so Saturn threw him out of the ring and did not help the guy go out of the ring. And the guy almost, Well, he landed on his head, almost paralyzed himself. Similar to what I talked about with Madcap Moss last week on the uh, review of Elimination Chamber. Um, And the fact that 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 move was unsafe and he could have really hurt this jobber, uh, his punishment was to have an angle where he talked to a mop head and would split up with on-screen love interest, uh, good old Terry Runnels.
1: Yeah, because Raven put Moppy... In a shredder, and I can remember Perry Saturn sitting there on in in the ring, and he's screaming "Moppy," kind of like Wilson. And yeah, I know he did it to himself. It was you know, but God, he's I I always respected Perry Saturn. I loved his run as the United States champion in WCW as well. Um, That match between him and Goldberg, like he tried to make Goldberg like a million bucks, but. Someone else who was trying to make somebody else like a million bucks was Chris Benoit and Booker T uh, let's get to spring of 1998. Stevie Ray actually makes his debut back and joins the NWO. Now I want to touch on this a little bit freak, because I love the fact that they have Stevie Ray come back and Booker T is in the middle of his singles push and they don't feel the need to put him back with Harlem. Heat. they don't feel the need. To, you know, Stevie Ray goes that to the NWO. They don't feel the need for Booker T to feud with his brother over that they're both going down their separate paths. And I think that's so fun because how many times does pro wrestling try to put two brothers together well, and, 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 put them in matches and, and say, what
0: would happen if, and I'm glad that this was not that. Well, not just brothers, but tag team partners in general, I think. Most, well, yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the most famous tag team breakups was the rockers when Marty Gennetti was famously put through the barbershop window by Shawn Michaels. They would feud, Marty Geneva would win the Intercontinental title from Shawn Michaels down the line. Uh, I mean, even Rick and Scott Steiner, uh, when they split up, when Scott Steiner would join the NWO, uh, they famously feuded where Scott, Scott would avoid Rick until they finally got their one-on-one match. Uh, to your point, most tag teams, even for a short while, heavy machinery when they split Tucker up from Otis you know, more recently, um, I don't ever remember seeing a match between the two of them. But it just, you know, there was that that there was that rivalry. It wasn't, you know, like the there's never an amicable split, right? There's always somebody turning on somebody when it comes to tag. Yeah. Team. I mean, we could get the list can go on and on. So to your point where they, they never made Stevie Ray and Booker T fight each other. They just kind of let them, like you said, go on their separate ways and do their own things. I thought it was a really unique way. I to,
1: really enjoyed that. Uh,
0: to get let Stevie Ray become a heel, join the NWO Hollywood let Booker T continue on his, his path. The one thing that disappointed me about it was it showed, I mean, it's shown the brightest of lights on how weak Stevie Ray was without a tag team partner from a singles wrestler standpoint. We'll get to it in a minute that, you know, that he would hold singles title for, for quite, for a little while. Uh, but he just, whatever reason didn't have it on his own. Um, I mean, I think there's a reason why Booker T became the megastar that he was, and Stevie Ray sort of just kind of dwindled into the sunset after WCW went out. So, listen, I love Stevie Ray. I love Booker T. I'm not trying to diminish what Stevie Ray did, but at this time, like, I, I remember even seeing, uh, you know, watch going back and watching, uh, you're talking about this rivalry that, that he had with Chris Benoit. On one of those pay-per-views, uh, Stevie Ray had a singles match with Chavo Guerrero, and he just... <laughs> He just, you know, I don't know. He just looked out of place without a tag team partner. I mean, eventually in the NWO Hollywood, he would team up with a couple of guys like Horace Hogan uh, and, and Vincent and guys like that. I hated that angle. Hated that angle. The whole, yeah. So again, um, I like the fact that they never had to fight each other um, until much later that we're probably not going to get into in the show um but yeah it was it was it was a unique angle to to split them without making them feud and fight each other
1: do you can you think of anyone else in pro wrestling history that um I, I mean there's a lot of examples but i'm talking about like some prime examples that only really worked well as tag teams and and didn't really make it as a singles competitor
0: i mean there's probably plenty of them if, if we wanted to sit and think about it um i thought you were going to ask me of tag teams that split up and never feuded uh, I was going to throw out the APA when they split up the APA with the first WWE draft. They amically split. Uh,
1: I would, yeah, you could think about, um, you could think about uh, new age outlaws. Um, you could think about, oh um, uh, God. I mean, well,
0: they kind of did the Dudley boys, but. Well, so, so that's, I was going to, I was going to mention the Dudley boys. Um, D-Von had, had a unique angle where he was, he was, the the preacher, I forgot. Testify. um, When they split up the Dudley boys in the same WWE draft that split up the APA, they split up the Dudley boys. Obviously, Bully Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley had somewhat of a successful singles career specifically in TNA or Impact, but Devon, even with that angle where he was the preacher, never really looked right wrestling singles style. Um, that's
1: that's that, that's another reason. Like I was I was talking about bringing them up, and I agree with that. You know the only, you know the only person out of that tag team that could make it as a single re- singles wrestler and actually look a little believable. Um, Spike uh, Spike I Dudley. You're
0: gonna give me the Spike, Spike Dudley. Dudley.
1: Bubba Ray Dudley had a decent singles career, but like again, I think he look. I I don't think he's a great worker. I think mean, he's got a shit attitude when it comes to the business. Um, Spike Dudley you know he never got you know he he never got you know a fucking intercontinental title a world title in any promotion but he could really work he could do the hardcore shit he could he could be technical uh high flyer and he had a great attitude i would uh, rather see spike dudley
0: in any ring than i than bubba ray dudley alone uh we can agree to disagree on that um i don't know devon dudley's the first one that comes to mind um i mean again you'd have to think about it there were a lot of Singles wrestlers that were put in tag teams that didn't look right in tag teams. Um, yeah. I, I don't really know. Marty Janetti. I mean, they're, they're, that's another <laughs> one that I um, yeah. already mentioned Marty Janetti once in the show, but like he, he even had the new rockers. I forgot who his partner was because that's how irrelevant they were. But um, yeah, I'm sure if we have more time, we could, we can actually sit and think about all the, all the different tag teams. But um, I mean, I think it's a, uh, it's an interesting, take to know that Booker T was one of those guys who could come who could,
1: out. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. Yeah. Uh, by the way, who I was thinking about, someone that wasn't a tag team tried a singles push and it didn't work. Biggest, big, one of the biggest, biggest examples to me um, is uh, uh, Billy Gunn. Uh, oh, but he, but,
0: yeah. See, I think, but he—he's but he, another one of those guys that got in his own way too. Like yeah, he, I agree. he was he Andy, was king Andy of the Currens. ring. I mean, he became king of the ring 1999. Like, he yeah, had, you talk about a guy that had the look, he had the size, um, but for whatever reason, he had just, the he had the theme. Yeah, he, he had the theme. Man. Yeah. Matter of um, fact, I even I even liked his theme for when he was the one Billy Gun. The that one was, Billy Gun. Yeah, that was one of my favorite favorite themes in, in, in all of wrestling history. But yeah, like it's well, a lot guy of it that, had to
1: do with his uh, his medical problems too. According to Jr., um, he had a lot of asthma problems. So, him being able to take a rest on the outside in the tag team helped him out a lot. But yeah. someone who did never needed to take a rest, uh, obviously, is Chris Benoit. And, um, you know, while we talk about this, you know, I'm not going to deny the fact that some people are not comfortable watching um, a lot of Chris Benoit matches for obvious reasons. We all know uh, what happened uh, with the Chris Benoit situation. That being said, if you can stomach, uh, watching his matches and separate the, uh, the character from the sh- or the character from the from the man, if uh, if I can be so bold to say that, to me, this is probably one of the top five best rivalries, top ten, top ten best rivalries in WCW history. Uh, it's definitely probably the best mid card rivalry. And one of the best rivalries of the late 90s on both shows, WWF and WCW. I'm talking about Chris Benoit feuding with Booker T just for the TV title. Uh, I want to take us back to May 4th uh, in the the spring. Benoit is going to cost Booker T the TV title during a match with Finley. Uh, After that match, um, uh, Stevie Ray and Booker T have a great, I think it's a backstage promo. I tried to find it. and I couldn't find it. Damn it. I can only read about it. But fantastic backstage promo with Stevie Ray is telling Booker T. I mean, brother to brother, heel to baby face is such, it's so well-written. He's like, you know, you need to go, you need to fight Chris Benoit. You need to take him on. And boy, does he take him on. He takes him on seven times because we get a best of seven series between Booker T and Chris Benoit. Now we're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth when we actually do the main event, I think. But right now I'm going to run you through just seven matches here. Um, Nitro first match, Benoit is going to defeat Booker T. The second match on a Thunder, gonna de- Booker is going to Booker T is going to defeat Benoit. So if you're counting folks at home, that's one to one. WCW Saturday Night, uh, Benoit is going to defeat Booker T. That's two one. Uh, now the the fourth match on Nitro, Benoit is going to defeat Booker T. If you're counting at home, Benoit is ahead. What is that? Three to one. Three to one. Three to one. Thank that's you. That's Correct. Uh, the fifth match is on a Thunder, Booker T is going to defeat Benoit. That is three, two. Now the sixth match here, I believe it's either this match or the fifth or the sixth match. One of the matches, uh, Bret Hart is going to offer uh, Chris Benoit a job, I guess, in the NWO. Uh, Benoit is going to deny. Benoit is going to turn him down, but Hart is going to actually attack Booker T, and it's going to be a DQ for ben, For um, uh, or excuse me, not a DQ, rather, but he's going to attack Booker T. Expect Benoit to pick up the win. Benoit does not want to win it that way. And we go on to Nitro, where Booker T defeats Benoit. It's three to three, guys. That leads us to the Great American Bash 1998. Booker T is going to defeat Chris Benoit in 16 minutes and 20 seconds. We're going to get into that match. That is one of the matches that we're that we're looking at. Correct. That That's match true. was just so fun, and. They hyped it up so well. It told such a great story. We're going to get into it. But on that same night, that took place June 14th. On that same night, uh, Booker T is going to move on to defeat Fit Finley for the TV title. And I want to stop right here for a second. You know, the television title, they are making the television title feel so important right now. And I think we we touched on this on our last episode when we talked about making the Intercontinental Champion great again. Have you – I mean – When's the last time a mid-card title, with the exception of maybe the TNT title and the never-open-weight title in New Japan, I mean, when is a mid-card title felt this great? It hasn't felt this great in years, I don't think. Or am I missing something?
0: No, so there's a couple of things. First of all, the, the design. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very visual guy, if you haven't been able to notice yet. The design of the television championship at WCW is probably my, my favorite, one of my favorite titles of all time. Yeah. Having having said that, there was a a show on AE where they're going to look for lost treasures of WWE. And that original television championship is nowhere to be found. Nobody can find it. It is missing out in the universe somewhere. Uh, But one of the. Because I haven't haven't let anybody find it. Yeah. So, um, nevertheless, uh, you know, Arn Anderson also made a very good point. Even when it was in TNA, NWA that the television championship was a world title. So, sort of how like AEW presents the TNT, TNT title as a TNT world championship. Now, the television title did sort of pinball back and forth with a few different guys in the late 90s. Like, let's be honest. You got guys like Prince Ikea, William Regal, or Lord Steven Regal would take it back from Prince Ikea. Ikea would win it again. Obviously, Rick Martell, Booker T, Fit Finley, um, Chris Jericho was a a TV champion. So having said that, even though it sort of pinballed around until it would eventually fall into obscurity, that TNT title felt like it was defended every week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we get title defenses once in a blue moon on main shows, be it – and that's specifically WWE because even AEW doesn't have title defenses all the time, but specifically what's supposed to be your working man's title, the Intercontinental title, the US title, they're not defended on TV. The TV title, seemingly every time it was on television, was being defended. Um, I mentioned other TV champions, you had Disco Inferno, Alex Wright, et cetera. Uh, even though some of these guys that would never get world title pushes, for guys like Booker T the TV title. Even, matter of fact, there's another one. Scott Steiner was a television champion. Yep. The, I feel like the TV title was not only. So, it was, word, so was Rick. So was Rick. Yeah, Rick Steiner was a TV champion, but I was, I was getting to the point where like the TV title for some folks were a launching pad to eventually become U S champion and then world champion as in the case for Booker T and Scott Steiner. Um, also not, 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 now that I'm thinking about it to Famously uh, great tag teams uh, and the Steiner brothers and the Harlem Heat would eventually feud for the world title. Um, having said all that, uh, yeah, the television championship, regardless of who carried that title, it felt important because it was always on the line. Not like the 24-7 title that you've got stupid people running down the ramp through the crown chasing a title. Like you had to be... <laughs> It, it was so unique a time in WCW because matches on WCW Saturday night on WCW worldwide that came on on Sundays, those matches meant something because if, if Dean Malenko won a match on against who on WCW worldwide, he got, he got a cruiserweight championship match on the next Monday night. like mm-hmm. all of the shows, even the ones that nobody watched like WCW worldwide, for instance, um, they all meant something, and it made the television title mean something because every time it was on TV, it was getting defended, and there were some some really talented guys who would hold this world television championship. So, uh, again, we talked about it last week, and we're gonna, we're talking about it now. There's not a single title on any show, be it Impact, be it New Japan, because you know they're still not putting on live shows every week, uh, be it WWE. Uh, ring of honor is no longer a thing really um and and be aw there's no show that has a championship that is defended every single week like the television title was yeah i i no argument totally agree so and 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 the matches were pretty pretty solid pretty top tier and and there wasn't there weren't many stinkers for the tv title even with guys like disco and alex Wright wrestling for it there weren't really bad matches, and I, I say all that like I've I brought Disco Inferno up a few times. I was a fan of Disco Inferno. Was I love Disco Inferno. Ones? Um, I mean he could I, he could he could work. Yeah. He had
1: <laughs> I don't had understand a, like he all bo- the hate. he
0: believed the gimmick. Yeah, he I mean, lived the gimmick. That's the, and that's the thing when you get stuck with like okay, you're gonna be John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever. Go out there and have a good match. I mean Disco Disco, you know, got he had some good matches with Booker T. During this during this time frame, um, but he gets I think he gets shed on too much. I think he was a really good performer. Um, he was a decent champion. He would adopt the Stone Cold Stunner. I forgot what he called it when he when he would hit it. It would be taken from him for the stupid Booty Man when he came back as the disciple. Yep. And yep. then the disciple would fade away, and, and Disco could start using his old finisher again. After when he I remember when he got it taken it away, he would use the swinging neck breaker as his finisher like come on guys like do a little better for disco nevertheless yeah no um the tv title meant something and booker t definitely didn't do anything to detract from what that tv title meant
1: totally totally agree i really do agree um and and i don't I hope that we get back to that as we kind of discussed with them, hopefully reuniting those belts at WrestleMania and we can make the intercontinental title and U S title, uh, means something else. Let's fast forward to keep talking about Booker T here. Uh, he holds on to the, the TV title. We're getting to July bash at the beach.
0: Um, we have a match between Booker T and Bret Hart here. Probably, the, for, Yeah. I was going to say probably the biggest opponent as a singles wrestler of his career let, at this point.
1: Let's stop for a minute. Yeah. How, how great on paper, does this sound Booker T and Bret Hart. I mean, is that, is that that fair to say that that's,
0: I mean, that's very old school versus new school, right? Yeah. I mean, back then you got to think Booker T was still less than, less than a year away from teaming with Harlem heat. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to put him with arguably the best technical wrestler of the, let's call it the, uh, new generation era
1: well he Uh, already fought he already fought the the best technical wrestler that was a month prior
0: well okay okay the wwe's best technical wrestler was that does that make you a little better (laughs) you know i I mean yeah uh, you see my Uh, stupid smile no but like no so like bret hart was a multi-time wwf world champion intercontinental champion he was already the triple crown in wwf um, I, I don't know if he had, if he had carried the US title at this point yet or not he would become a us title and a world champion in wcw but like yeah. booker t is a singles wrestler i mean this is like i mean this is like putting rick steiner in a 1 on 1 one on one match with and I, I don't like comparing them but with like hulk hogan because bret hart was the top of what wwf was when mm. that 80s crew left so now you've got this I'm a cover booker t you're going to give him a pay-per-view match with a, w, a former WWF champion, like at the at the time, it was unheard of. But looking back, and you think on paper, Booker T versus Bret Hart, it makes sense. They're both Hall of Famers. They're yeah. both multi-time Hall of Famers. So of course, it makes sense to put them in a match. But at this point in time, in 1998, this was huge for the advancing uh, the advancement of Booker T's singles career. I don't want
1: to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to ask you: Is it fair to say that? And I'll give Shawn Michaels credit too, but I'm going to mostly say Bret Hart here. Is it fair to say that Bret Hart was the, the first guy to really break that mold for Vince as you don't have to be a big
0: uproided guy to hold the belt? Oh, of course. I okay. mean, uh, yeah, you had guys like Macho Man Randy Savage, who looking back then was bigger than he would become. I mean, even in the late 90s when he had his, um, his team madness, he was a lot more jacked. But – Comparatively speaking, to guys like Hulk Hogan in the '80s, Andre the Giant, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, like yeah, especially as far as like shorter guys. Because yeah, that, I, I guess it's
1: I guess it's what I meant. I shouldn't have been so yeah. negative and said like it up guys, but you know, it's always you know it, this is this is the narrative that goes on forever that Vince does not like shorter guys. Um, so. I'm of the opinion that Bret Hart was the first superstar, the first wrestler to break that mold for Vince and show Vince that, hey, man, you know, the little guys can do it too. Maybe one day Darby Allen can show you the
0: same thing. But until then, we're going to start going with- Hold on. um, Tell me you did not just say that. Tell me you didn't just compare Darby Allen to freaking Bret Hart. Tell me- Bret Hart, Hart, you're right. Bret Hart is only two inches taller than Darby Allen, so it shouldn't really matter. Um, I swear to God, I'm fucking out of here, dude. I'm done i'm walking out of my own fucking podcast you son of a bitch sorry continue please <laughs> fucking darby allen and bret hart are you oh kidding me Oh my god. if bret oh hart was god. dead he'd be rolling in his grave if he was hearing this shit come oh on my god he's probably hearing it I'm, okay yeah so booker t uh
1: booker t actually defeats bret hart by dq bret hart is attacking him um uh, he, starts, he starts beating him up. Um, you know, classic heel Bret Hart here. And out comes Stevie Ray to a giant pop to help his brother, Booker T. This was fun. I really enjoyed this. Um, however, uh, Booker T is injured now. The TV title uh, is getting vacated. But, and I can't wait. This is a real sentence. Um, the TV title is going to Stevie Ray through power of attorney and he's going to hold it until august Frick, what's your favorite segment where a belt's gone to somebody by power
0: of attorney uh listen man uh i mentioned Uh, earlier that stevie ray would carry the carry a singles title for a while this is it uh you know wasn't it david flair who was gifted the u.s title at one point he didn't win it he was gifted the u.s title So so it was triple h He was given the the title, but that's 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 a different situation. That you got to have a world champion on a show. Uh, He'd already proven himself. David Flair was David fucking Flair. This Uh, is America. You have to have a United States champion. Listen, uh, God damn it! We live in the USA. We've
1: got to have a United
0: States champion. So this is the funniest part: is that Vince McMahon did not book. Stevie Ray holding the power of attorney. It was some other doofus in the back in the, in the back in WCW. So, you know
1: yeah, I wonder who that was because I don't, I, it must have been Kevin Sullivan. This is not Kevin
0: Sullivan. So Vince Vince
1: Russo wasn't there yet. It had to have been Kevin Sullivan. Was it, was, was Dusty Rhodes there? Did I was just it? thinking Dusty, but I don't know if Dusty was there. I don't know if he was booking though. And this is before I just, Nash.
0: I just, so. man. I
1: listen like power of a, so let's well, okay let's be honest here let's let's add let's and add that's, some logic. he would
0: he would defend the tv title while he while he had it too well i well here's my thing so
1: let's add some logic here so why blame stevie ray for a bad singles run he didn't want
0: it it was I, gifted it was it was in his it was in booker t's will in booker t's will <laughs> like like he was fucking dying no uh, i mean it, Listen, Stevie could have said no. He could have said, "This is stupid. I'm not going to do it." Yeah, but yeah, have
1: you ever looked at your grandmother in the eye and said, "No, Grandma, I don't want this china that i willed to." You take the china and you put it up in your attic. He took the belt. He ran with it. Listen, I don't. This is a this is an insane comparison, by the way. I'm half serious, but I
0: I I just I can't get my head around. I don't blame Stevie Ray. Yeah, I don't blame Stevie Ray for the dumb situation he was put in, Um, but. It definitely, we talked about all these guys that didn't deserve the, well, not to say didn't deserve the title, but all these lower mid-tier guys, uh, Alex Wright, Prince Iakea, uh, who would hold the TV title. When we just talked about how great the TV title was for wrestling and, and for these guys that would, it was building up. Um, Did you say Alex Wright? Yeah, I said Alex Wright. Uh, I think I, Alex Wright is great. Well, we'll get, we'll have, maybe we'll do a deep dive on Alex right at some point. But, but no, I don't We guess, don't, we don't, we don't need, we don't need to do that. Um, That's fine. When you have all this, all the great stuff that we just talked about with, um, with the TV title, gifting it to another superstar via power of attorney diminishes everything that we just talked about why the TV title meant so much.
1: Yeah. Why not hold another gauntlet tournament? Why not hold
0: another, you know, I, I, yeah. Chris, but yeah. I so, think, so Brett, so Brett so Hart was fighting. Like- for the TV title. Uh, before Bret Hart, he was, he was going back and forth with Benoit and Finley. So I feel like you could have had, since Bret Hart was the one that injured Booker T fantasy booking, uh, Chris Benoit fights Finley, the winner fights Bret Hart in a three-man tournament. And the winner of, of those, those matches becomes the TV champion until Booker T comes
1: back. I feel like they just wanted to give it to Stevie Ray because they didn't have something for him at the time. Yeah. I mean that they had him floating too. in WCW or they had him floating in the NWO. I think that, that's my opinion. Either way, this is a Booker T episode, and unfortunately, we're not going to get to talk about him again until he makes his debut back in 1999 in February 22nd Nitro, where he actually defeats Bret Hart. No shit, and yep. fun stuff there. Uh, in March, he beats um, Rick Steiner. No, excuse me, Scott Steiner for the television title. There you go. Um, and then he lo- uh, Booker T loses the title in May to Rick Steiner in Slambury 1999. So he's floating back and forth with the TV title there. And then um, we get a Harlem Heat reunion uh, in the summer of 99. And that's pretty much going to carry – book routine to about 2000 when we start getting him in the title picture run and um we're not going to get into that
0: yeah especially because he would become his first persona gi bro he had the army gimmick in a in a very very brief period in late wcw i do remember Um, that now i do remember that now i mean yeah, and not to mention he would split up with with Harlem Heat because they would come up with Harlem Heat 2000. If you remember, Ahmed Johnson would come in as one of their cousins. I forgot what they called him in WCW, but he would be the other half of Harlem Heat. Um, I don't. You remember. know what? I
1: I do remember that because Booker T and Ahmed. Oh my God, what pay per view was that? I think we either covered it, but it was Ahmed Johnson and Booker T. And the winner, if, if the odd med won, he got to have the Harlem Heat name because it was copyrighted or something like that. It was something weird. Like it was some more power of attorney shit. And um, so they come full circle. Yeah. Um, it's... But, uh, yeah, I can't remember everything about that. But I do remember that now that you're talking about it. And I forgot that, yeah, that was that was poor Ahmed Johnson, man. That guy, holy fuck. He um, really thought you, talk about, you, talk, you talk about somebody You talk about somebody who didn't belong. Yeah. Poor guy. Which, by the way, when I first played WWF Warzone, I was a fan of Ahmed Johnson. Oh, me too.
0: And then I grew up. And then I, and then the bell rang. So I had little wrestling action figures. And one of the ones that I wanted more than anyone was Ahmed Johnson. I want to hit that Pearl River plunge on every other wrestling action yeah. figure that I had. Uh, but I digress. Uh, yeah. So, uh, again, the end of 99, we see the reunion of Harlem Heat that would kind of veer into 2000 where they would split up once again. Uh, and then, like you said, he would go into another <laughs> singles run where he would become future U.S. champion, and Booker T would end WCW as the world heavyweight champion, winning WCW, yep. de- defeating Scott Steiner on the last Monday Nitro on my birthday in the year two thousand one. How cool! So, it, so it's your fault. It's what do you mean? It's my fault that he was the, the last world champion. No, It's your fault. WCW went out. It's your fucking birthday. That's my birthday. It just doesn't, that has nothing. There's no correlation. Other than how, the fact how, that it's cool to say that on my, like, 15th or 16th birthday, uh,
1: that they – So you, you celebrated your sweet 16 with the downfall of WCW? Uh, I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> <Listen, laughs> yeah. What do you want from me?
1: Um, you know, I, I want to get back to something real quick, totally off topic, but I, I, I'm laughing about it because I thought it was one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. Um, you talk about Ahmed Johnson. You talk about Nation or Domination. Did you see that fucking meme that I put where it was Frank, Frank Costanza from Seinfeld, and he's like, you know the Godfather gimmicks? You got the Papa Shango, the comma, and I the saw Godfather. That. Yes. That's the, the Godfather. That's the best one. He <laughs> talks about the, the different cup sizes from the episode. Anyway, oh funny shit. I laughed so hard. But anyway um, – Yeah. I mean, this has been Booker T 97 and 99. I mean, I think that's a great year. I think there's a great time for Booker T. Obviously one of the highlights being the best of seven, um, with Chris Benoit, but he's got so much more great shit, um, that we talked about and we're going to deep dive, no pun intended, into uh, a couple of those matches. Uh, but I, I, this has been so fun, man. I love Booker T. I really do. Um, so this is, this has been a really fun memory
0: lane, uh, uh walk back here and it's going to yeah. be
1: even better cuz we're not even done.
0: Yeah, uh you know again 97 and 99 is really when Booker T came on as a singles competitor breaking away from that tag team mold uh to set up what would become his future and after the the downfall of WCW that started on my birthday of, in 2001. I digress. Uh That was caused by your birthday. Yes, yeah sure. Whatever you say. Um <laughs> I uh I uh yeah, I really don't have anything else to add. Uh, that was break it down. We got to break down uh, the the road that was Booker T, ninety seven to ninety nine. Coming up next, the main event. We're gonna break down th- specifically three matches of this uh, of this run. We've already mentioned them in the show. We're gonna get a little more deep into them in the main event. Uh, coming up next, right here on TapHouse and Touchdowns. Everybody, welcome back to the main event of the evening. Uh finally a main event that's not just like talking about what we've got coming up next. We've got some substance to this main event. Uh before we get into that, a quick reminder where you can find me on social media, on Twitter at tapouts and TDs, Facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns, and email to the show, tapouts and touchdowns gmail.com make sure you go like and subscribe to the YouTube channel cuz we do have some more YouTube shows coming up in the very near future. PJ Steven bully ride back at it uh for this main event here. Uh PJ as we did for the break it down. Uh I'm going to let you take over here. So there were three matches that stood out in this deep dive. And the first one being the uh, the impromptu improv match. Uh, where Booker T would have a gauntlet of sorts. Uh, the team title was on the line twice in back-to-back matches, starting off the champion Rick Martel uh, defending against Booker T. Booker T would go over and then have an improv match with Perry Saturn for the team title in which he would also uh, go over PJ. Uh, I didn't take, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't take notes for any of these matches because I just remembered them. Uh, at least, at least some of them specifically that I had to go back and rewatch. Uh, what stood out outside of the, of the obvious with these matches uh, with both Rick Martell and Perry Satter?
1: So if you missed it during our uh, Break It Down, which, shame on you, and I should make you just rewind the whole thing and, and listen to it instead of explaining it back to you and holding your hand like a child, but I will hold your hand. Like a child, uh, Rick Martell was supposed to go over on Booker T at this match. This, I'm talking about Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 8 in February. Uh, Rick Martell was actually injured in the match, so Booker T moves on, um, to the gauntlet match with uh, him and Perry Saturn. This whole match is improv and it's for the television champion. And obviously, what stands out is the fact that it was improv, but honestly, looking at it, man, and you and I kind of talked about this in the break it down. It really was a great match. It didn't seem like it was improv. It it had a couple spots where it was like, ah, oh, shit, they're a little lost. But, I mean, like, that could happen in any match. Um, I get lost walking to my bathroom. I've been there for years. Uh, I really did enjoy this match. I can't say enough good things about Perry Saturn, man. Like, he, he he's just a great, great businessman. Uh, Booker T you talk about Booker T being new to the singles run, singles push. What a way to really dive right in. Like he's not waiting in the water. He is not putting his toes in. He's diving right the fuck in cannonball. You got to improv this match, son. And uh, I think, I think they did a fabulous job and uh, you get Booker T going over there. um, The television champion. He is your new television champion as we head into the spring.
0: Yeah. Um, Remind me off air to tell you about getting lost on the way to the bathroom. I've got a funny story. I'll tell you off the air about that. I digress. Oh, hell yeah. The, the uh, Yeah, this match, I, I mentioned it and break it down. It was just a prime example of what Booker T can do as a singles wrestler. He didn't need a partner to tag out to, to catch his breath. Um, this was the match that started off the rocket ship that was Booker T. Like if there's if you got a bottle rocket stuck in the ground and you're going to light it, this was this was the lighter that you got lit. This match itself, the two matches itself, were the bottle rocket. Like this match, again, you mentioned they weren't perfect. Uh, obviously, when Rick Martel gets injured and you have to change the finish, I mean that automatically can can alter the quality of the match. I mean a prime example. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart, uh, Owen Hart, I should say, uh, SummerSlam, I believe it was 1998. Owen Hart dropped Stone Cold on his head. And he cannot feel his legs. Um, Owen Hart now has to run around the ring and yell at fans while Stone Cold Steve Austin has to get feeling back in his body. And f- quite possibly the worst schoolboy pin in wrestling history. And Stone Cold Steve Austin is your new intercontinental champion. Uh, this match did not feel that way. This The way that that match with Rick Martell, you would have never known he was injured. Um, And then fast forward to two minutes later, all of a sudden he and Perry Saturn have to call a match on the fly. I mean, that's what wrestling, to me, that's the art of wrestling, right? Like you can go, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page was notorious for going over and over his matches and the way that their matches were going to go prior to his matches, to almost to the point where it annoyed some of his opponents. Um, but the beauty of a wrestling match to me is not knowing what you're going to be doing. And it becomes a dance. You mm-hmm. follow, you follow the leader, you, you follow the lead, you know, you follow the lead dancer and you just kind of go, go on a journey. And that's what that match with Perry Saturn was again, knowing now what we, what we do about that match. So just again, I watched this match. I, I went through my own journey of rewatching WCW from the Nitro era going forward. So I watched this match probably a couple of years ago again. Um, and then again, more, more recently, but great match. If you want to see the start of Booker T's stardom as a singles wrestler, go back and watch this, this gauntlet match between Booker T and Rick Martel, then Perry Saturn.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree, and that leads us back to the third, second match that we're going to go over. That is Great American Bash '98, June 14th. Booker T and Chris Benoit. This is the final match of their best of seven. They go 16 minutes
0: and 20 seconds here. This is PJ. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you because I got I'm really excited to talk about this match. Go ahead. Go ahead. This match was 16 minutes and 20 seconds. And there was never a drag in this match. Now they had some rest holds mixed in here. But again, when you talk about wrestling feeling like a competitive sport, that's what this match did. Because they were every time, you know, Benoit would hit a suplex, go for a pin. Booker T would hit a clothesline and go for a pin. Like they wanted to win this match because they wanted to become the new TV champion. You had Booker T... Hit his um hit his missile drop kick for the finish. Uh, you know, he it, it was it wasn't quite a moonsault, but Booker T had this move where he would go up on the back rope, like he would hit a moonsault, and he was it was just a reverse, uh, you know, I don't know what we call it, plancha, splash, whatever it was. He missed it in this match. But Booker T did a lot more high flying in these days than he is known for during his WWE run post WCW. Um agreed. He he did the Houston hangover in this match
1: too. And I fucking love that
0: movie. Like you, yeah, like you know, not a lot of people do top rope leg drops, but and his was a front flip. His was <laughs> a yeah, his was a somersault leg drop. Like that yeah, could end. It. I don't want to say it could end badly, but if he doesn't rotate right or if he goes too far, he could go ass on face and crush somebody's head. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't it wasn't like he was heavy, it's not like Yoko is doing a front flip leg drop off the top rope. Boy, howdade! I love. I love to see that though. God almighty, but but I digress. Uh, this match, um, God, the crowd was hot. The announcing, the announced team was hot. This match and from It, start it opened finish, the show crazy. too. Yeah, it opened the show. But yeah, they always. What an, what an opener! You always start off a show uh, as a tone setter, right? So they the, the running the running thing is for 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 now they're called premium live events for pay per views, is that. You wanted to go on first or you wanted to go on last? You wanted to set the tone for the rest of the show or you wanted to close it out and let leave everybody uh, going home, something that they're talking about, going home on the way home the next day and the day after that. They set a tone for this pay-per-view with this match that if every match was a good of the show opener, then that was going to be a five-star pay-per-view. I mean, what a good, good match, PJ. I mean, am I missing anything? Yeah. Did I touch on a lot of it?
1: No, you you totally nailed it, man. It t- I, I literally wrote this great match, slow-paced, but tells one of the best WCW stories of the company. I mean, it, it is. Like, I know, like, and I, guys, I, I've, I've you know, broken record here. I know for some people it is just really hard to watch Christopher Watt matches, and I'm not here to change your mind. What I'm here to do is just tell you, if you're going to watch one Christopher Watt match, man, there's a lot. But – this one to me is a highlight of both of their careers. I mean, am I wrong
0: saying that? No, I mean, again, so you, we, we talk about the match that he had prior to this, where he won the TV title um, as, as the launching pad for his career. This now Benoit was never like a tag team wrestler. He was tag team champion a few times in WCW, but he was never considered a tag team wrestler. Who did he tag with? Was it Dean Malika? Yeah, when he was part of the Four Horsemen, originally it was like very briefly with Brian Pillman, but yeah, he would team with Dean Malenko and they would win tag team gold. That's right, that's Um, right. And obviously he would go into WWE and tag team gold with Jericho, I believe with Benoit or or with Benoit, with Triple H or Stone Cold, one of those two. Uh, Yeah, I, I think he won tag belts with Rhino too. Yeah, so nevertheless, he was never known as a tag team wrestler, but this match goes to show how talented he was as a singles competitor that you could build off of to become an eventual champion. And he would for a night right before he decided to leave WCW with the world title. Um, and they had, <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother story, but I digress. Um, yeah, no, just a great match here. Uh, the final match we're going to deep dive. It's probably going to be less, less of a deep dive than the other two. Uh, it was Bret Hart versus... Uh, Booker T, TV title on the line, Bash at the Beach, 1998. Uh, Bret Hart would go over via disqualification. Uh, He was hit with a missile dropkick, put his leg on the ropes, and a really unique exit out of the ring where he grabbed the bottom rope and kind of backflipped over it, Uh, went down to the ring to get a chair. Uh, Booker T would dive over the top rope. Uh, Bret Hart would throw the chair at him, disqualification, and then he would beat the shit out of him with his chair, uh, eventually wrapping the figure four around the pole, uh, to really do some damage to that knee that has been heavily braced. Um, and as you mentioned in the break it down, Stevie Ray would come to help out his brother. Um, he didn't really do a whole lot of help. He walked out to the ring. It was made clear on commentary that like, why is he running? Why is he just walking out to help his brother? And then they wanted to give Booker T medical attention. He's like, no, he's good. He's got it. He's cool. Um, all leading up to his eventual run with the, with the TV title. Um, I wanted to include this on, on the main event because again, we talked about that launching pad that was the TV title match in this in this period of his career, and then we talked about his true showcase where he could have different matches every night with one guy, and you got something different every time. Um, it finished, you know, culminated with this uh, this this crescendo, this this uh, finale, if you will. Um, at Great American Bash where he would then go on to win the tv title for finley later in the same night um and then you get his arguably biggest high profile match with bret hart at bash at the beach i think if at this period of, of booker t's career these three matches sort of sum up his career trajectory during that time would you, would you would you agree with that statement or would you would would you do you have a different kind of you uh, take on it
1: no, most definitely. It, it really does. It does set that stage
0: tremendously. I agree. How would you feel about the match? Because I didn't do a whole lot of talking about the match. We obviously covered the finish. Uh, but the match itself, how did you feel about it? Because, I mean, I, I thought the, the, the importance of who it was and how it finished uh, kind of out, outweighed what the match was. So, so I kind of wanted to get your opinion on the match itself. So
1: I thought about it pretty much the same way I thought of most Bret Hart matches. In WCW, unfortunately, uh, that being said, it was still it was still a good match. Uh, but you know, Bret Hart, to me, just was never on his game in WCW. You go back to you go back to his match at Halloween Havoc '98 with him and Sting. What a fucking match that was supposed to be, and it was just a dumpster fire. What a great match this could have been. But we had to have so much Gaga and 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 hate it with the the DQ. Uh, I know it would have been out of order, but I wish we would have talked about this match first because it is the 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 match on on that we're talking about here that's not that great, although it could have been yeah just tremendous. Yeah. So, but that being said, not a whole lot I can say about
0: the match. Uh, I wish that would have been just a clear winner. To be honest with you, you know, Bret Hart would would. Tend to disagree with people who say that he went in WCW and snuck up the place and he wasn't the same Bret Hart. But it was also during a time that we didn't talk about mental health a lot. Uh, we don't know the toll that the Montreal screw job had on Bret Hart because he trusted everybody going into that match. Um, now, granted, you can argue Brett screwed Brett, yada, yada, yada. But if you've got a girlfriend, And you go to that girlfriend and you say, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to go to this concert together, right? We're going to have a good time. Uh, It's not a band that I want to see, but I'll go see it for you. Um, But, like, afterwards, like, let's go. Let's go to fucking Denny's, right? And then the concert comes. You get there. Not only do you not go to Denny's, but she makes out with some random dude at the concert. Like, that's, to me, how Bret Hart must have felt at the Montreal screw job, not to mention now he leaves to go to see WCW. He leaves Owen behind bulldog and nine heart come behind him. Bulldog would essentially wreck his career with the trapdoor spot where he injured his back. It was never the same guy. Um, they probably dropped the ball with the booking on, on what the heart foundation would be in WCW. Uh, but whether he wants to admit it or not, it had to have been affecting his, his, his mindset going into some of these matches and there's a high likelihood that that had to do with some of what he would or wouldn't do in WCW would, would you kind of feel the same way there too.
1: I disagree. Uh, I think while the Montreal screwdriver probably did affect him, I don't think it was even close to the factor of Eric the boys behind the scenes at WCW just did not know what to do with Bret Hart. They they he was babyface one week, he was heel the next, then he was back to babyface. They literally had someone, and this was with a lot of motherfuckers, by the way. They literally had someone that they just did not know how to do. It's you know, it's like that stupid joke from uh, Dark Knight where Joker's like, you know, I'm a dog chasing cars. I don't know what I'm doing. I've actually caught one. It's like Eric was like, ah. I'm just a guy chasing Bret Hart. I wouldn't know what to do actually if I actually fucking got him. So I, I think that Bret Hart's career in WCW, the first shovel hit the dirt on his first fucking debut. When well, by the way, you fucked up by not debuting him right after the Montreal screwdriver. You fucked up there. And I get he had he had some injuries, but like haven't fucking cut promos. So his debut, he's gonna be a referee. That gets fucked up at, at,
0: at Starcade. Yeah. What did Stone Cold do when he left WCW? He went to ECW and cut promos. Bret Hart yeah. could have done the same thing. right? so you fuck you already fucked that up. That had nothing to do with the Montreal
1: Screwjob. That had to do with bad fucking booking. Then you go to um then you go to him uh you know turning heel, telling the crowd he hates him. I mean, they did they had great shit going on with Goldberg and him. One of the best spots in WCW history was Goldberg spearing Heart and heart having the armor under him, uh, fantastic. Yeah, I love, I love that. Yeah. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, and then they they drop the ball on that. So while you can say that, yeah, he wasn't in the greatest mindset. It wasn't because of the Montreal screw job. It was because that you're having to fucking go black and white every single day, every single month. Rather going on babyface to heel, not being told exactly what to do. You're, you know. That would fuck you up more than anything, because Bret Hart's an amazing wrestler, and when you're being, yeah. when you're, when you're, when you're, when your character and your well-being is being fucked with, and I going to help you out. I'm getting hot. I don't know why I'm getting so hot about this, but it's just, I, I just hate. I hate to see potential wasted. And that was yeah. that was definitely Bret Hart in WCW, but what was not wasted was Booker yeah. T in WCW. I, I hate I hate you know I'd love to talk about Bret Hart. We'll do a deep dive on Bret Hart uh, coming up here soon. But um, I want to ask you, um, Booker T. These years that we talked about
0: are these the best years of his career? <sighs> no, and I'll tell you why. Um, these were the best years of his career to this point. He became a star as a singles wrestler. He got over with the crowd. I mean, the entire arenas were raising the roof to his music. Uh, it wasn't called a spin, Rooney at the time, but he arguably became bigger and had a better career in WWE. Now, granted, he was a five-time WCW champion. That includes his run as the as the champion in WWE during the Invasion Angle. But he had he went on to have. Some of the best angles of his career in WWE. You mentioned his tag team with Goldust. You mentioned the the grocery store fight where I think they did something uh, which is like $10,000 of damage in that grocery store. Like a really fun story. Uh, you think about the um, the King Booker angle. King Booker! Booker with his, where where he got to be on TV with his real life queen, Charmel. Um, mm. You know, he had... I mean, he was involved in the first ever Elimination Chamber match. He he went on to, to carry the world title in WWE. I don't think he ever had the WWE title. Um, but he, you know, I think he had a, a one, a single run with the Intercontinental title. So despite how great these years were for him, these from 97 to 99 showcased that if you book him right and you give him the right material and the right the right guidance that booker t can be a, a a star in pro wrestling and he became just that not only at the end of wcw but into his career with wwe and when he left when he left he go to impact he was he was the tna he was the first tna legend champion i believe he had a run with the world title there so booker t has had success everywhere he went but it all started in where we're talking about on this show.
1: And I think that's what's so important is one, where it started. And that definitely is this. There's no argument that I will say, in my opinion, these are the these are the best years in Booker T's career. And I'll tell you why. Um, because it was at this moment that he that he was able to not have a lot of strings on him. And he was able to look hungry and to be his best Booker T, his best potential. Um, You know, during the invasion stuff, not so much. Even the King Booker stuff, yeah, he was a world champion. um, But he was, you know – you know what people remember about King Booker is that he was – he had a rivalry with uh, Boogeyman at WrestleMania 23.
0: Yeah, that's – I disagree.
1: But – but – I think now we just talked about wasted potential and how much it pisses me off. The biggest wasted potential. One of the biggest, that's, that's an overshot. One of the biggest wasted potentials in WWE history. And you know, and you know what I'm going to fucking hit you with WrestleMania 19. And if Booker T would have defeated triple H and become that champion at that time, that would have been Booker T's best years. Cause he would have ran with that. Unfortunately it didn't happen. And we're not going to talk about that. Cause I'm just going to get upset. But um, because that was bullshit. That's
0: um, that's a, that's a yeah. great way to finish the show. That was bullshit. That's perfect. That's a great way. To end it. it was bullshit. It was uh, bullshit. Yeah. God, this uh, has been a lot of fun, man. This has been was. a lot of fun. It's uh, it went a little long, uh, but that's okay. We had a really nice, fun conversation. Yeah, you know, who, you know who we're doing. You know who we're doing next, right? Oh, wait, is it is it Stone Cold? Is that who we're doing next? Oh, of- oh yeah. 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 Of course, you pull up the disco music. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put you on mute as as we do that. Um, but nevertheless, that was uh, that was the Booker T deep dive. We hope you all enjoyed it, uh, PJ. I'm going to ask you to unmute, and if uh, you got anything that you want to share about Guardians Warlock coming up, uh, now is the time to do so.
1: I imagine you really muted me. They wanted to hear Disco Inferno.
0: Nobody Um, but the two of us want to hear Disco Inferno's theme music.
1: You're going to get tweets tomorrow that says, why did you turn off Disco Inferno, you Bubba Ray Dudley-looking fuck? Um, (laughs) No. uh, That's a
0: a love-love, PJ. That's a (laughs) love-love.
1: Today, Junior. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had too many of these. This is Agent 77 IPA, New Belgium. It's pretty good. But uh, no, okay, so before I get into Guardians World, I, I want to throw this out there real quick, guys. Uh, comment and let us know which guy, which wrestler or are- you know, female wrestler. Which professional wrestler you'd like us to do next, and what years? Uh, we have a couple in the in the bank that we'd like to do, but we'd like to hear you guys' opinion too. This is a lot of fun. We'd love to do it again. Um, as far as Guardians Warlock goes, we have a. Sh- this is being recorded on a Friday. Uh, the the by the time this airs, we would have played Saturday night, which is tomorrow night at Charlie Pub, with um, uh, our rivals at the at the moment, John Wilkes Telephone Booth, which is the band that I used to be in. Definitely old school versus new school here. John Bloke's telephone booth is calling the warlock out to try and take it's the words can't even leave my mouth. Take PJ, mine, take my world heavyweight championship. And it's not happening. And Billy Metz, if you happen to be listening to this, it's a week down the road. You're probably defeated, still probably healing yourself after the fucking ass kicking that you're gonna that you got at Charlie Pub. It's okay. Because when you still see me as the champion, you still see Guardians Warlock as the reigning Charleston heavyweight champion, I don't want you to get upset. You and I can still be friends. But just I hope you learned your lesson. John Telephone Booth, this is going to be your last show. No more. I put you guys out. I I, I dropped your band. And now I'm going to drop you again, this time on stage with the Warlock. So, great to Steven, see you.
0: Keeping kayfabe alive. Make sure you go... On social media, find them at Guardians Warlock. Guardians with apostrophe on Guardians Warlock. Uh, PJ and others. Oh, oh, wait. Before you go, I'm so sorry. I, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I just forgot.
1: Tomorrow, uh, by, the t- by the time this airs, tomorrow everybody gets first dibs at these at the show. But after tomorrow, they will be on our Bandcamp website. So they're going to be on, my, on our Bandcamp website now. We have new t-shirts that I want to throw out there. So we have plenty of sizes. So go on our Bandcamp website uh, and check those out, man. Uh, really, really cool stuff. I'm really excited to have them actually. So badass stuff, man. I appreciate that.
0: Good stuff. Remember, go follow them on Guardians Warlock Bandcamp uh, social media, all that stuff. Uh, PJ, we've got some exciting shows coming up. We'll go ahead and uh, and just kind of let the let the crowd fester. Don't wonder what we're going to do next. I know we had some some more deep dives lined up. Uh, a couple that we had written down were goldberg's undefeated streak trish stratus's rise from manager to hall of famer Uh, we also want to deep dive into some pro athletes that that kind of crossed over uh that same one of those pay-per-views i believe it was the bash at the beach we had kevin green one-on-one with the giant yeah we we might we might be able to get to talk some pro athletes crossovers and Um, we're pretty much going to be doing wrestlemania episodes leading up to mania right yeah, well, we've got we've got a couple of, of listener requests. Halloween Havoc 1991. Uh, I want to do the watch along for WWE Superstar from June 1993. We'll talk about this off the air. But nevertheless, some really fun content coming for you, the listeners to the show. So hope you enjoyed today's deep dive. Uh, once again, PJ Steven, thank you as always for joining me as he dances away to disco on mute. So for PJ Steven, tap outs and touchdowns. It's your guy, Bully Rye, and I'll be around.